Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ad Law Access Podcast. Uh, my name is Lee Baumgartner, and I'm an associate here at Kelly Dry. Today, I have joining me Christy Thompson. She's the chair of the Advertising Law Practice Group. And uh, today, we're going to be talking about green marketing. And so to start things off, Christy, you want to just kind of give a, a general overview of you know, why is green marketing important these days? Sure. Thanks, Lee, and hi, everyone. So recent studies have shown that environmentally conscious consumers continue to grow in number. And as part of that, they're demanding that products have a reduced effect on the environment. And to meet this demand, as well as part of just social responsibility initiatives, many companies are offering an ever-growing assortment of green products and often making advertising claims associated with those products. At the same time, consumers are getting savvier about the veracity of those claims and are very skeptical, uh, looking for what is commonly known as greenwashing, where a company has maybe overstated the environmental benefit of a product. So in connection with that, consumers are really looking for substantiated, legitimate claims, often underlying certification or some other documentation to support these kinds of claims and representations about products. So the consequence for that for a brand is that you've got to make sure you can back up what you say. And if you don't, there are significant ramifications, both in terms of brand reputation, consumer response, and sometimes action from the Federal Trade Commission. The FTC has established guidance on appropriate claims that advertisers should make when touting the environmental benefits. And Lee, why don't you give us an overview of what the FTC calls their green guide? Sure. So the appropriately named green guides are the commission's interpretation of the FTC Act in the area of environmental marketing claims. As Christy said, they give marketers guidance on how to abide by the FTC Act when making claims about the environmental benefits of their products. Now, what are some basics here? Well, like with all advertisements subject to FTC jurisdiction, the touchstone concept is how do consumers understand the claims? And we look at this using the reasonableness standard. So in other words, how would a reasonable consumer perceive the claim? So the point of the Green Guides is to prevent deception, not set environmental policy. And, you know, the FTC has stated before, it's agnostic about the environment. Now, these guides also, they apply to all forms of marketing. That includes business to consumer and business to business. And Christy, if you want to provide some more general principles that are laid out in the Green Guides. So the Green Guides provide some very general principles that really track Section 5 of the FTC Act. First, you got to substantiate all objective claims. The substantiation depends on the claim and whatever it takes to provide a reasonable basis. So, for example, some claims might only require an internal count or analysis, uh, demonstration that the product is made up of the claimed materials. Other claims might require additional substantiation and sometimes even third-party studies or third-party certification. So it's really a, a case-by-case review. We see substantiation come up often when 
companies are using third parties to supply products or to supply component parts used in a finished good. And sometimes you can't really have visibility into what the third party is providing. And so you've got to come up with ways to conduct sufficient due diligence on the third party, get assurances from the third party, uh, obtain certifications, testing, other documentation from the third party so that you can get comfortable that what they say they are providing really is what they are providing uh, because you might often be using that as a basis for your own claims. We've seen this issue come up in particular in the context of advertising and labeling for products uh, that are made of bamboo. And uh, the FTC has been watching this issue very closely since about 2010 because the inclusion of bamboo in products can sometimes communicate that the product has certain environmental benefits uh, because bamboo as a general matter is sometimes um, doesn't require as many resources to grow and, and sometimes isn't as tough on the soil as some other uh, plants that are then converted into textiles. Um, most recent example of FTC enforcement in this space was in 2015 when the FTC reached a settlement with several retailers and, and most of them were offering third-party products. Um, and as part of that settlement, the companies agreed to pay a combined $1.3 million for allegedly misrepresenting uh, what were rayon products as bamboo and allegedly implying that that inclusion of bamboo was somehow better for the environment than traditional rayon uh, products. So uh, a very recent example of FTC enforcement in that space and for significant money. So in addition to substantiation, if a claim requires some sort of qualification or limiting information, you've got to be sure to use clear and conspicuous disclosures. This often comes up in the context of like environmentally friendly claims that in isolation could certainly overstate the, the benefits of the product and, and are very important to qualify to indicate exactly what element of the product or its processing is uh, better for the environment. So those disclosures can be used to clarify exactly what you mean by the claim, of course, they should always use plain language and be in sufficiently large type in a color of text that contrasts with the background and uh, close enough to the claim that a consumer is going to see all of those uh, standards that the FTC has established generally with respect to providing clear and conspicuous disclosures. In addition, a key concept is to specify how or to what the claim applies. So if the claim is specific to the packaging that the product uh, gets delivered in, that's how the advertising should be worded. It should be specific to the packaging and not create the impression that somehow the claim applies to the product as well. So as I already mentioned, also don't overstate environmental 
impact. Um, another example in that space would be if you make a claim like, my product has twice as much recycled content as it previously did. And the previous recycled content was 1%, you've now got 2% recycled content. Factually true, but that kind of a claim could also imply that the environmental benefit is much greater than it really is. If you've got twice as much, a consumer might think you've gone from something like 25 to 50% or something even greater. So be sure to, to qualify that as necessary. And then the last one of these general concepts is to identify the point of comparison. So in that last example, the product has twice as much recycled content as it previously did. Um, if you left that open, my product has twice as much recycled content without qualifying the point of comparison, a competitor might say, hey, you're talking about my product and you don't have twice as much recycled content. Um, or a consumer might think a different point, it's, that it's a different point of comparison and take away a message that is broader than what you actually intended. So Lee, the guides also offer some examples of specific types of claims. Why don't you talk about those? Thanks, Christy. So like she said, the guides provide specific guidance on common claims. And based on what we've seen from our clients, we thought we'd give you guys a little preview of maybe four different common claims that we see the most. So the first one is recyclable claims. And the most important question here is, do consumers have access to recycling facilities? So while yes, the actual product or whatever is being advertised needs to be recyclable in terms of materials, the consumers also have to have access to recycling facilities. Now, if a substantial majority of the consumers that buy the product have access to a recycling facility where the product is sold, which is measured at greater or equal to 60%, then no qualification is necessary. However, the facility must accept and process the material. Now, for less than 60% of majority have access, then the marketer needs to qualify the claim. Now, this is on a sliding scale. And what that means is the closer the marketer is to that 60% threshold, the weaker the qualification can be. So for example, if recycling facilities for a product are only available to say 55% of consumers or communities, a marketer can qualify with, this product may not be recyclable in your area. Now, if recycling facilities for a product are available to only a very few number of consumers, a marketer should use stronger qualifying language such as, this product is recyclable only in the few communities that have appropriate recycling programs. So again, as you can see on that sliding scale, the further we get away from 60% towards 1%, the stronger the qualification needs to be. And so another common claim we see that's specified in the green guides is recycled content. And so the basic premise for recycled content claims is was the product diverted from the waste stream? Now this means marketers should make recycled content claims only for materials that have been recovered or diverted from the waste stream during the manufacturing process or after consumer use. So marketers should also qualify claims for products or packages made partly from recycled materials. So for example, uh, made from 30% recycled material. So let's say you have a product that has 70% you know, polyester that is virgin material and then 30% uh, of that polyester is recycled. Then you'd say made from 30% recycled material. And the next common claim we're going to look at is uh, degradable claims. So it's deceptive to misrepresent that a product is degradable, biodegradable, or photodegradable 
all those are classified as degradable. Uh, if the entire product will not completely break down and return to nature within a quote, reasonably short period of time, end quote, after customary disposal. So a reasonably short period of time is defined as one year for products entering the solid waste stream. Uh, unqualified degradable claims for products that are customarily disposed in landfills, incinerators, and recycling facilities, uh, those are considered deceptive because at those locations, they don't have the type of conditions to which you know, complete uh, decom decomposition can occur within that one year period. Um, so you have to be sure that you kind of figure out where this product is going to be usually destined. And so the last common claim we can take a look at is free of claims. And so a truthful claim that a product is free of or does not contain or use a substance may nevertheless be deceptive if one of two things. Number one, the product contains or uses substances that pose the same or similar uh, environmental risk as the substance that is not present or two, the substance is never associated with the product. And the green guides also allow for a little bit of uh, leeway here. And they say that trace amount of a substance may be okay if no more than the, sub the trace contaminant uh, or background level is present, won't cause material harm typically associated with the substance, and it's not intentionally added. And so an example, which is kind of an extreme example, but it's recent, was in uh, September of 2019, the FTC announced that the Miami-based beauty brand Truly Organic had to pay $1.76 million to settle an FTC complaint that the company had deceived shoppers by labeling its products as organic and vegan. And so the FTC investigation there revealed that you know, some of Truly Organic's products contained no organic ingredients at all, and others contained ingredients that were not vegan, uh, including honey and lactose. And that was all according to the FTC complaint. Now. The, the green guides also do not provide guidance on a few key terms that we also are seeing pretty commonly with our clients. And those are sustainable, organic, and natural. And so there's various re reasons why the FTC did not offer guidance on these. Uh, for example, with organic, there would have been some overlapping enforcement with the USDA. So the commission wanted to avoid uh, proposing a device that would be you know, duplicative or inconsistent with uh, USDA's National Organic Program. And you know, every 10 years though, the Green Guides, they are on a review cycle. And so we're looking at you know, roughly 2022 uh, with the next time they're scheduled at least to be updated. So we might see some more guidance there. And Lee, just to follow up one point on sustainable, sustainability and related claims, DFTC did not provide guidance on that. And we hear from marketers all the time, the desire to, use that word it's certainly a, a buzz a buzzword or variation like i said of sustainable and that's fine but we certainly would advise to proceed with caution and i think that the ftc would likely treat a claim about sustainability similar to the way they would treat a very general environmentally friendly claim and expect that the company define what they mean by sustainable because one of the reasons that the FTC did not address it was because there is no consistent understanding around the term. And so when companies want to use it, they should define what they mean by it and then uh, use those parameters accordingly. So it's, it's an okay term to use, um, but again, just proceed with caution and, and qualify it appropriately. So as a recap, to go over what we've just discussed, we thought we'd just ask each other a few 
questions with, with examples and real claims. So Lee, hypothetical, you've got a, a bottle of sunscreen and the sunscreen is made without chemicals that many researchers worldwide have deemed potentially harmful to aquatic life. Company wants to say just one purchase saves the ocean. What do you think about that? Okay, so right away, the claim is too broad. Uh, we're looking at the product's environmental impact. The green guides do specify that uh, not to overstate that environmental impact. So here, you know, although a disclosure would help, the claim would likely be better if it specified the impact the purchase may make. So for example, sunscreen made without X or Y chemicals may help reduce harm to aquatic life. That's more realistic than what the environmental impact is. And then for Christy, I have a hypothetical that involves a white pair of sneakers. So let's imagine the shoelaces are made with cotton scraps, the shoe's upper is made with recycled leather, and the rubber sole is made with brand new virgin materials. So what if the claim is made with renewable materials? Uh, yeah, something that broad's probably not okay. A uh, better claim would be to identify the parts of the product that are made with the renewable materials, like the shoelaces in this case. Saying just broadly made with renewable materials likely implies that the entire shoe is made with the renewable materials rather than the specific portions. And the Green Guides address this, saying that marketers should avoid those kinds of unqualified claims about renewable materials unless the product or the package is made entirely of renewable materials. And they do allow for some incidental components. So we would certainly recommend limiting this claim uh, to the parts that actually are made with the renewable materials. So Lee, what if you have a windbreaker jacket? and the lining is made of 50% recycled plastic bottles, and the lining is about 25% of the jacket's materials. The rest of the 75% of the materials are new and man-made. Proposed claim is made of 50% recycled content. What do you think? Yeah, so this one's another great example of being specific. So this claim would imply that 50% of the entire product, not just the product's lining, is made of recycled materials. And you know, the green guide specify that a marketer should clearly and prominently qualify recycled content. And this is to avoid any deception about the amount of the percentage of recycled content that's you know, being put or advertised on the, the finished package. So here, a better claim, or excuse me, a better claim here would be lining made of 50% recycled content, because we're looking at specifically the lining that is at 50%. So Christy, last one for you. Let's imagine we have a bottle of shampoo. The front of the label on the shampoo bottle includes biodegradable on it. And the label also includes a disclosure stating that the shampoo, but not the bottle, is biodegradable. And so the claim here is the shampoo is biodegradable. What do you think about that one? Well, as long as that disclosure is conspicuous, so it's clear that it's only the shampoo, that is biodegradable. This one's probably okay. As, as you mentioned, Lee, degradable, biodegradable claims can certainly be targets for challenge and you gotta be very careful with them. Um, but as long as the marketer is, again, is that disclosure is clear and conspicuous and the marketer has competent, reliable scientific evidence to demonstrate that the shampoo 
that's customarily disposed of in sewage systems will actually break down and decompose uh, in a reasonably short period of time, then uh, we, I'd be okay with that kind of a claim. So we hope these examples and the rest of the information help give you some guidance as you move forward. Remember that the key takeaways in making any kind of a green marketing claim are make those claims specific, use clear and conspicuous disclosures, don't overstate the environmental effects, and have proper substantiation. Of course, Lee and I are available to answer any questions if you want to reach out by email. You can also learn more about green marketing and other advertising and privacy related topics by visiting our Advertising and Privacy Law Resource Center. It's available at kellydry.com. You can also get our blog posts at adlawaccess.com and we usually post announcements about other activities we have in that space. So thanks so much for tuning in today.